Hi, and welcome to the Passionistas Project podcast. We're Amy and Nancy Harrington, and today we're talking with Rita Reemers and Linda Hall of Just for Cats, a company that has been providing cat behavior services and cat-only pet sitting for the last 18 years. Rita, the world's most in-demand cat behaviorist, has written a new book called The Lucky Cat Approach to Cat Behavior Correction, which will give people the knowledge and tools to better understand and develop a deep bond with their cats. Rita also writes a hugely popular cat behavior help and advice column called A New Catitude, answers questions through her membership-only group Club Catitude, and is launching a new line of USA-made cat toys and bedding called Gracie and Esther. Linda worked with health and fitness guru Richard Simmons for 17 years, which is where she met Rita. Linda was Richard's customer service manager on his website, working with site visitors, posting content, and participating in chats. When Richard retired, Linda joined Just for Cats as executive director. So please welcome to the show, Rita Reemers and Linda Hall. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. Oh, I'm so glad. I am exhausted just reading that intro. <laughs> we're, we're exhausted from doing it, <laughs> but we love it. We love cats and I've dedicated my life to cats. I left a six-figure salary job to, you know, start over from scratch. It's actually 18 years now. Um, I left corporate America about 15 years ago, but the first three I did was doing both cat sitting, cat behavior counseling, actually three things. I was still in corporate America and working for Richard Simmons all at the same time. <laughs> and I thought, how can I make my life harder? I know I'll quit the job that makes all the money. So, and I've not looked back. I've not looked back since I'm, I'm very blessed. Our very first question of both of you is, and I think we know the answer, but what are you most passionate about? Cats. Keeping <laughs> cats, more than that, keeping cats in people's homes, helping somebody with a behavior issue that may have meant the cat was going to end up um, being surrendered if we didn't fix it. Cats are so often misunderstood. You know, dogs are so, they're just dogs. They're... <laughs> and their tail is wagging, and you totally know. I mean, there are constant speech bubbles over dogs' heads, right? I love you, I love you, take me for a walk, feed me. <laughs> Cats are so much more complicated than that, and the signs are, are so much less obvious, and Rita has really taught people how to read their cats' behaviors, how to read their moods. Um, I can tell now by the way the tail is curled that he's curious, blinky eyes means I love you. I mean, this whole language that exists in understanding the cats and in solving some problems, there are relatively small problems which seem really big when you're dealing with it, like your cat urinating on your bed every night. This gets really big. Yeah, and that's a big problem. <laughs> yeah, that's a big problem. People, people rehome their cats over it, and it may just be that her litter box, they had just changed litter. The cat didn't like the litter. So they, started, so they changed back, and it was all better. And things like this, and so, of course, some problems are a lot more complicated than that. But I've seen people on the verge of rehoming their cats that and Rita has spoken to them and given them answers and these cats can stay home and safe. And that's huge. I mean, that's just, I can't think of anything bigger than that, than saving lives and keeping families. Together. I agree. I agree. That's what it's all about, saving lives. Yes. So where does this love of cats come from? I think I was born with it. Um, I was given a cat when I was about eight years old, we couldn't keep it because my dad was allergic. Um, but I've always felt this affinity towards cats since I was, you know, like two years old. I'd go near a cat, my mom would say, don't put your face near him. And I'd say, but I'm, I am a cat. He understands. 
I make my cat, my mom dressed me as a cat every holiday, um, every uh, oh. trick or treat, Halloween, thank you. Um, and then my dad had an aunt, my great aunt, Chessa, who lived in the country. And I think she was the original cat person in our family. She did TNR, Trap Neuter Release, before it was a thing. She fed all the outdoor cats. A few of them became tame and became her pets. But we would, various members of the family, go down to um, Smithville Flats, New York, and help her get the kitties into the vet to be spayed and neutered. Um, I just fell in love with cats then, I think. How about you, Linda? I didn't have cats, Grant. Like Rita, Rita's dad was allergic. It was my mom. So we had <laughs> dogs. And I love animals, and I love having a pet. But... You know, that in-your-face stuff is a little much for me sometimes. Plus, taking them outside. Again, I live where there's snow. This is not my yeah. thing. And so when I got a cat, it was like this. This is, my, this is my match. This is my soul animal. This is my match. And then, you know, as we got more and found all the differences in cats and, and brought more into the house, it just, it's amazing. And the things you learn and the feeling they give, and it's just, it's indescribable. I just, I don't know. It's in my soul. Well, cats make you earn their love. I always say a dog will love you until you give him a reason not to, but a cat won't love you until you give him a reason to love you. Tell us a little bit about your journey uh, separately towards working together. Well, Linda first started working for Richard Simmons way before I did. So Linda, do you want to talk about what you did for Richard and why I snagged you for my company? Sure. Yeah, I worked for him for 17 and a half years before he officially retired. And I started out working as a typing angel, helping him to get his responses to people out. Did some infomercials with him, worked on some infomercials, had to do a lot of fun stuff with him. And then I went into managing his clubhouse. So when he retired and Rita was thinking about starting up a cat clubhouse so that people could have more access to her and her behavior help, she called me and she said, I heard Richard's retiring and you're losing your job. And I said, yes, I'm so stressed. And she said, want to come work for me? Yes, please. So. Yeah, I needed your skill set. And I knew Linda through Richard Simmons and the clubhouse. Plus I uh, produced radios, uh, Richard's radio show on Sirius for three years. It was a live call-in radio show, three hours every Sunday. So I got my cred <laughs> working for Richard. So the other people that worked for Richard Simmons knew I was a genuine you know, person and not just someone trying to get close to Richard. Um, so Linda and I started developing a friendship. Um, I moved back to the Carolinas from LA and Right away, I was so fortunate to be offered the opportunity to do some videos for Catster Magazine. And the producer of the videos happened to be right here in Charlotte because I said, oh, darn, I can't do it. I just left L.A. And they're like, well, you know what? <laughs> the producer's there in Charlotte, five miles away from me. So I started doing those videos. Uh, they were actually for a website at the time called Petcha that's now owned by Chewy. <laughs> everything's been changed around a little bit and through that um Catster offered me the new catitude uh, column right around the time I was wanting to launch the clubhouse and Linda became free and she had been coming to me for cat advice anyway as her cat family was growing and I knew she had the skill set to help me make a success of this clubhouse and the reason I'm doing the clubhouse is you know not everybody can afford a personal cat behavior session. Plus, I'm in just outside Charlotte, North Carolina. I can't be everywhere. I can't go everywhere. I reach everyone. Um, and not everyone can afford 
that anyway. So I wanted to have a clubhouse where people can have a community of other like-minded people or other people who've had similar problems and access to me and my staff um, so they can come to us for cat behavior help, um, funny stories, some camaraderie with each other. We've got some awesome sponsors with some great prizes from um, Litter Genie, uh, Pretty Litter, Catster Magazine, of course. Um, and then uh, the uh, cat, cat Lady Box came aboard and oddly enough, Spangler's Candy, which is, that's good too, who doesn't love candy. Um, they were originally going to be sponsoring our Catitude Cruise, but we can't do that right now with COVID-19. So the clubhouse is even more important for people to join. We actually just cut the price in half. It was $19 a month. It's now $9.95 a month because I want everyone to be able to afford to have a cat behaviorist in their toolbox when they have a problem, come to me, come to the clubhouse, come to the people there, come to Linda who has eight cats and a dog, um, Nikki and Sebastian, a married couple who have five cats. Um, they, we all know cats, right? And what fun, we're having fun too, giving away things. Yes, yes, yes. When we took the clubhouse, she was saying, you know, with COVID, should we offer a month free or something? Everybody's struggling, people are off work. So we decided to do a $1 for the first month and the dollar is going um, until June. We're donating it to a local rescue here in Ohio, Friends of Felines. And then after that, we'll switch to another rescue so that you can get a month for a dollar and you're donating the dollar to a rescue. So right. the rescues are in trouble right now. So, yeah. Rita, you were saying that you had a six-figure career. It's one thing to love cats and want to have a lot of cats. It's another thing to decide to make it your career. So what inspired you to do this full time? I had a very successful career in information technology. I was somewhat of a hybrid between the tech people and the business people, and I was good at my job, but honestly, I was bored. My last position was with a nonprofit organization that's awesome called the California Endowment, but by and large, my career has been spent working for companies, um, making the people at the top rich, not contributing anything much to society. And then doing pet sitting on the side, at the time I did both cats and dogs, seeing what some of these animals go through. Um, and then volunteering for rescues, really getting a look firsthand at how many animals needlessly wind up in the shelters, let alone the ones that are born because people don't spay and neuter. Um, I knew I had to change the focus of my life. And with the cat sitting, that was the first start, you know, towards getting into people's homes, getting people's ear, you know, having them trust me as a cat expert and listen to what I had to say if they came to me for advice. You know, I had to be very careful because someone came coming to me for pet sitting, cat sitting didn't necessarily want advice, but if they asked, they got it, you know, or if I thought that something was really amiss and had to be addressed, you know, I'd find a way to bring it up subtly. And it was so much more rewarding, even though at first it didn't pay. It still doesn't really pay anywhere near what I was making. I don't care. I'm happier. I want to leave a legacy behind of having more people understand cat behavior. Uh, a goal of mine and Linda's is to go into the schools and teach children at a young age about appropriate behavior with all kinds of pets, not just cats, but 
cats tend to be the ones that get picked on a lot by children who really don't understand animals have the same heart, soul, and feelings that we do. Um, I don't have children, so I'm looking to Linda's children to carry on the legacy when she and I and her husband Brian are no longer here. I want to leave something behind that makes a positive dent in cats' lives and the lives of their owners. Owners, I hate to use that word. We don't really own the cats, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's another reason we're looking at launching this USA-made pet care line too. Um, something that I've been talking about doing for years. I've seen the tide change. People want more USA-made products. Um, so Linda and I, right now we're working on um, catnip and cat toys. Mm -hmm. A spray catnip that's made from homegrown organic catnip grown in Defiance, Ohio. Woo! <laughs> and uh, some cat toys that have this organic catnip in them don't have any loose, you know, sometimes you'll see little whiskers or little eyes on the toys and, you know, cats can eat those, swallow them, choke on them. So um, Linda and Nikki, her, her daughter who works for us, hand sews everyone by hand. Of course, when we make it big, we'll have to go into a manufacturing situation, but we, we make them in such a way that even if the cat was to chew on the, the thread somehow, it won't come apart. Linda, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I sew about an inch and then I back up and go forward and sew an inch. So if at any point it comes, and this this was quite an eye-opening thing that Rita taught me. You know, we buy toys that are cute and attractive to us. They right. Googly eyes, your cat couldn't care less about that space. Or googly eyes, they just want the toy. And we had, I remember we had a booking for when we had the cat sitting business and the lady called and said her cat was in emergency stomach surgery. He had ripped open his toy and eaten the inside squeaker, jingle squeaker. bell or whatever. And it was lodged in his intestine, emergency surgery, darn near die, you know. You don't think about this stuff. You just assume anything you buy is safe. And then, you know, some of the materials have a lot of dyes on them. You see if, if they land in the water bowl and then your water bowl turns blue. Oh, or red. yeah. Your cat's slobbering on this. This is all very, very scary. So, you know, you, you don't need tails and danglies and, and, you know, your cat just wants the thing. So They could care less if it's shaped like a mouse, a square or something round. They don't care. Yeah, we, shape yeah them, exactly. we do shape them like little mice, just just for the yes, pet yes. owners. Yeah, you know, exactly, exactly. But yeah, no eyes, no jingle bells sticking on them, nothing like that. And yeah, sewing and stopping and sewing and stopping because that was another thing. String cause an obstruction, or they can um, get it tangled around their neck. So this way, the most they're going to unravel is about an inch at a time. So right. they'll be separate pieces. So yeah. And why are we called Gracie and Esther? She's Gracie sure, and yeah. it's, it's our alternate personalities. <laughs> we were at a pet sitting conference and Rita gets these colds or whatever, sinus thing, and she can't hear. And what? so it's really, exactly, it's really fun sharing a hotel room with her because you say something and, and you'll hear, I think you said something, but I have no idea what it was or what? So at one point I was just tired and loopy and said, Asta, put your hearing aid in. You can't hear a thing. So this just became this thing of us going back and forth. I and then her daughter became little girl. Yes, it just, it just kind of took off on its own. So we decided that was a cute name to brand our business. Uh -huh. <laughs> so it'll be Just for Cats by Gracie and Esther. By Gracie and Esther.
You got to laugh. That's the other thing. You know, we laugh a lot. I didn't laugh in the corporate world. You know, I, we laugh a lot, even though we see some tragic things, you know, we, we try to end the day on some kind of humorous note. We've learned to laugh at everything. Best thing on earth is to be talking to Rita and have her come out and hear her yell, who did that? You know, as she steps in that pile of barf or whatever. So I finally told her one day, this is the epitaph that's going on your gravestone. Yeah. Yeah. Who did that? Who did that? <laughs> who did that? Yeah, okay. Just because I'm a behaviorist, my cats are not perfect. I have <laughs> problems too. I have 19. I just don't have the fighting or any of that. They get along. Well, sometimes. But, you know, I have little jealousy issues. I sometimes have pee-pee on the floor accidents or, you know, whenever they have a hairball, they're not going to do it on my wood floor. They're going to do it on my big area rug, right? Or, or the, the sofa, sofa or the bed. Or a, there was like three nights in a row this week I slept on the sofa because my two shy cats that are a little bit people skittish were on my bed, on my pillow, on my side. And I'm like, I can't, I can't disturb them. So <laughs> I slept on the couch for three nights. You know, it sounds crazy having 19 cats. Rita did not go to a shelter and decide to no. fill her cat house with 19 cats. They I find me. The key to Rita is send her a picture of a cat with the soulful eyes, you know, looking right into the camera, and then tell her the story about how it's got a dangling leg, or it's unadoptable, or it's going to be euthanized, and she will be in the car and go get that cat. I got one just three minutes before we went on the air. I, I can't do it. I can't take it anymore. I can't. So I, I CC'd my mom, who runs the Humane Society of Lancaster, South Carolina, and I said, can you get photos? Can you can you shop this around on your web, on your internet, on your website, on your Facebook? I can't take anymore. Twenty's <laughs> my max. That doesn't mean I have an opening at nineteen. I was say you have an empty spot. <laughs> <laughs> we're perfect right now. The last two that I adopted were kittens. I didn't mean to adopt them, but of course, you know, a friend of mine found an orange kitten, and she had twelve cats. And she's like, I know this kitten's yours. I know you love orange kitties. I, I took the kitten. And he was great. He was getting along with my adult cats, but we're going nuts because he was hyperactive. So I purposefully went out and got this last kitten, Sweetie Pie. And the two of them are best buddies. And she's kind of my heart cat now. I'm glad I went and got her. But she's the only cat I ever went and got on purpose. And I'm done. No more. <laughs> You're listening to the Passionistas Project podcast and our interview with Rita Reemers and Linda Hall. During the month of June, Rita is offering cat lovers the first month's club membership to Club Catitude for only $1. She's also donating that dollar directly to Friends of Felines Rescue Center in Defiance, Ohio. To join, visit RitaReemers.com slash joinclubcatitude and use the discount code H-E-L-P-F-F-R-C to donate to the Friends of Felines Rescue Center. Now here's more of our interview with Rita and Linda. Why do you think people who like cats are so open to having so many cats? Well, I know what happened to Linda. It probably happens to a lot of people. You go out and you adopt a cat and you think, I want this wonderful lap cat. I want this cat to love me and sit with me. And, you know, maybe you don't end up with that kind of cat. And then you, or you, then that, you start thinking, well, how would I want to be the only cat in a house full of people? I should get one more. Everybody says it's easier with two. I should get one more. So you go get one more 
And maybe those two get along, maybe they don't. And you still don't get your lap cat. You sit on the sofa at night and you're like, where's cats? I don't see any cats. Okay, I gotta get another one. But then what happens is the rescue or shelter, they got you pegged. And they're like, oh, that's a sucker. So then they see you out in public, and I know this happened to Linda and Brian. Oh. Linda, we just took in this cat. Oh, yes. We have to find it at home. This was Latte, right? Do you want yeah. to tell the story? Latte had been born in the rescue. Well, I went and started with my daughter who needed a cat fix, so she wanted to volunteer at this at the local rescue friends of feelings. And but she was under 16, so she needed an adult to go with her. Fine, I'm just gonna sit and watch the cats, right? So of course I fall in love and we come home. My husband has decided he hates cats, which I guarantee you he's sitting in a chair with a cat on his lap right now. I guarantee you. Right. It didn't so it didn't stick. So no, he hates cats, no cats, no cats. So then finally it's all right, one cat, go get Subra that you keep. So I went and got Subra. And then it's like, you know, everybody says you need to. So okay. So we went and we got Baca. Then we went to this fall festival and the owner was selling things to raise money for her rescue. I was just thinking of you, she says. This mama cat had had these babies. Her name was Java. They all got coffee names. They were all adopted out. For some reason, Latte's parents had to move. Latte's lived in a home for a few years and oh, she, I just don't want to put her back at the rest. We went and got the cat. But, you know, I find being a former dog person, when you sit down on the couch, your dog is jumping up with you. Yeah. I had three cats, was looking around, where's the cats? You know, they're laying in the, I mean, I have eight cats. Oh, I can see one laying in the window right now, but nobody's in this bedroom with me right now. So you got to have more to have interaction all the time. <laughs> it's like, well, another thing too is they don't need as much focused energy and attention as a dog. So you can have... I think three cats to one dog yeah. and still not be expending the amount of energy it takes to take care of a dog. <laughs> I love dogs, but they just, yes. they require more focused, constant energy. So tell us a little bit about the book, Rita. The Lucky Cat Approach. That is based on what I've learned from doing some cat behavior sessions with people. I remember one session I did with this couple. And they, they adopted this cat and the, the wife really wanted to keep the cat, but he kept attacking the husband. And when I got there to do the session, this is kind of sad. He was kind of treating the cat like people used to treat dogs with the rolled up newspaper, smacking it over the head. Well, the cat would get, you know, bite him or nip at him because he was trying to play because he was never raised right. He, he was raised in a shelter. He didn't know what it was like to be in a home. And the, the guy would yell at the dog and, or the cat and back it on the nose, and then wonder why when he went near the cat, the cat lunged at him. So I had to teach him. It's really, all this will spell lucky cat. It's about loving your cat unconditionally just the way he is, and understanding your cat's point of view on life and his unique capabilities, which means, you know, you may want a lap cat, he might not be a lap cat, because you don't know what he went through before he got to you, right? Um, I have one, Picasso. She's, she was very neglected. She wasn't really abused. She was just neglected. And she'll come to me when she's scared of something, a thunderstorm or what have you. She'll come to me and let me pet her. I could scratch her into the chin, behind the ears, whatever. Other than that, I can't really touch her because she is not used to that. So I have to accept that that is her capability. That's the level of interaction she can accept. And that's it. I can't turn her into a lap cat like my Simba. And you've got to communicate with your cat every day. Some people, they'll bring a cat home. They're like, here, I have a cat. They put it down and that's it. They never interact with it again. They expect the cat to come to them when it needs something. That's not how it works. You've got to communicate. You've got to seek out your cat every day. 
And you've got to be kind to your cat because that's what strengthens the bond between you, right? If you're treating it like that man who was, you know, smacking the cat for not acting right, or even the water bottle, I don't really believe in the water bottle, you know, your cat is going to start being afraid of you. That's going to cause all kinds of anxiety and behavior issues. Maybe you can't even solve them because the cat becomes some petrified of people, ends up in the shelter and gets euthanized, right? So, you know, you've got to be an active participant in molding your cat's personality. You can't just have them sit under the bed and be an aloof cat. You know, you've got to actively participate in drawing him out with toys and treats, sitting by him, reading to him, you know, showing him you're not going to hurt him. Um, consistency is really the key to making it all work. And the amount of attention and time you spend with your cats is critical to keeping that bond between you. So you have a cat, you know, you've been paying attention to forever or your, your daughter has been instrumental in this cat's daily life and then she goes off to college. Well, somebody's gonna have to fill in. You can't just let that cat sit there because he'll start to revert to his natural tendencies to be aloof and scared of people because um, the most important thing that people need to know about cats, I think, is that they're both predator and prey, unlike dogs. Their constant life is spent in a hypervigilant state waiting for something to have them for dinner. Okay, They're either hunted or being hunted. So that's why cats get so startled when there's noises, when there's new smells in the household. That's why when somebody comes to your door, most cats will take off running to hide because their first instinct is self-preservation. And you have to know that and that that's really what drives 95% of what your cats do. Not a lot of people do realize that. You know, another thing too is like, we, we went out and we domesticated dogs. We turned them into working dogs and we bred them and made different types of dogs. Cats decided to come to us. They domesticated themselves. They started coming to our, you know, many thousands of years ago to our, our camps, you know, to take the little scraps of food, to eat the mice that were attracted by our food and slowly, you know, worm their way into our hearts. Because if you look at a kitten and a, or even a full-grown cat look at their face a lot of it resembles a human face their cry sounds like a baby cry and it, it gets right into our hearts but they decided to become part of our lives we didn't go out and domesticate them so our relationship with cats is a lot more fragile than it is with dogs you also have a cat behavior and help advice column called A New Catitude, which I love love that name are there one or two stories that stand out to you from your years of doing that that resonate with you as um, some of your favorites or some of the more challenging questions you've been asked? I hate to pick on people that I know, but it just happens to be Linda's daughter and son-in-law when they were engaged to be married and Sebastian and Nikki moved in together to save up for the wedding. She had two cats and uh, Dinia and Tiger. Tiger did not, he's a mama's cat. He did not like Sebastian at all. He would swipe at him and hiss at him and they didn't know what they were going to do. So I suggested make Sebastian the one that does the feeding. Make him be the one that gives the treats. You know, make him be the one that puts the food down at, at night and talks to him. Slowly but surely, they forged a relationship. And I think he can even pet Tiger now. Am I right, Linda? Yeah, I mean, Ti Tiger's a cranky old man. That's We just call him the grumpy old man. And he even scares vet techs, knocked a needle out of a vet tech's hand once. But if you just see him with Nikki, he's like, 
such a loving, wonderful cat. And then anybody else, it's like, watch your face, it's gonna eat you. So he's, I, I don't think he's in love with Sebastian, but he <laughs> tolerates Sebastian. And Sebastian is allowed to sleep with his wife. And that is a very good outcome. <laughs> so as long as they're allowed to share a bed, we're yeah. happy. Because he wasn't having it. He'd wedge in between them and he'd growl and hiss. And you know, Sebastian's like, the wedding's off. Tiger doesn't like me. So. That's an important factor, though. I mean, yeah. if your pets don't like your spouse, that's bad. It is. Yes. Yes. Really bad. Yeah. Uh, and I think another one is, I, I went to this behavior session here in Charlotte. And they had three cats, each living in a separate room. And I said to them, how long have you been in this situation? Oh, you know, two or three years. You can't live like that. But they were hesitant to do the introductions because, of course, just like with children, they're not going to love each other at first. If you merge a husband and wife like the Brady Bunch and you merge human children, there's going to be resistance, just like with cats. What are you going to do? Separate them? Your kids live on this side of the house and your kids live on this side of the house. That does not, you know... When they all um, and move out, we can get back together. <laughs> yeah. There's ways to work through the painful process. Most often, the posturing and the noise you hear when you're introducing cats to each other or even to a dog, it's noise, you know? Very seldom do you really see physical fighting in blood. That's very rare. But people, you know, it hurts them to see that. So they'd rather live with their cats all separated forever, then go through that very noise to be in your room and you're ranch, where you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to go out and save somebody's life. Yeah. And 90% of the time, it's just bark like kids fighting with each other, yeah. Right, exactly. Even my cats that love each other, Pinky and Boo Boo, brother, sister, love each other. Boo Boo gets a wild hair and he'll just decide to antagonize his sister and she'll yell at him and you know, she's like, what's going on in the background? Oh, it's Pinky and Boo-Boo. I don't yeah. even get up anymore. <laughs> you know? So I think me teaching people that that's just, you know, it's a temporary, painful patch they have to go through. And it's much worse for them than it is for the cats, you know. <laughs> Sooner or later, the cats, they either love each other or they learn to be respectful, be, be distant from each other. Have you found new behavioral issues arising during this time of COVID-19? And if so, do you have tips for people about how to deal with the togetherness? Yeah, you know, at first, if you don't work at home and you're at home, you're interrupting your cat's sleepy period. Usually they're sleeping during the day. They're like, why are you here? Get out of my, get off my sofa. I want to sleep there, you know. Then after a while, they're used to you being there then you're gonna go back to work and they're gonna go through separation anxiety. They're like, why aren't you there? I got used to being there. You're at my beck and call, I could lie on you whenever I want. Um, so I always suggest that people do what I'm doing right now. I I've shut myself in my office, there's no cats in here. Let them have some time apart from you. Let them have their routine. You know, they're, they're making a new routine. Cats don't like change. You disrupted their routine by being at home. Now you have to make a new routine, which I think includes having them be on their own and having you be in a separate room or go outside for a walk or do something to be apart from them. Um, so I noticed that I have a cat that's very attached to me, Smoochie. I've had her since she was four weeks. She's three-legged. She's always been extremely attached to me, but it's getting worse. Um, 
she's practically under my rear end when I sleep on, when I sit on the sofa, I sleep on the sofa, when I sit on the sofa. And she started like lunging and almost barking at the other cats when they come near me. So I have to consciously make sure I get up here for a few hours every day. And that seems to be making her relax a little bit, not be quite so anxious that she's got to be right up against me every moment of the day. Um, and the other thing I think that's important is cultivating this routine around um, what I call the four pegs of cat behavior. There's four basic behaviors that cats do every day to ensure their survival. One of them is they hunt for prey, that's the P. We may make that by playing with them. So really take a wild type toy or something you can you know, make them chase around, mimic that they're hunting, let them catch it, and then feed them, that's the E in the pegs, is they eat. They'll eat their dinner uh, or breakfast, and then right away, cat's instinct is to groom. And they do this because out in nature, they wanna get all the particles of remnants of their kill off of them, so that their predators can't find them, can't find, aren't attracted by the smell of the prey, and so they won't become someone's dinner. And then lastly, they're gonna go to sleep. That's pegs. So I always suggest people, even when they're home, practice those morning and night, because in the morning, you're gonna do play, eat, groom, sleep, you're gonna go off to work. So they're sleeping, or you're gonna be up in your office or what have you. And then at night, you're gonna do it again, so I always do it really, you know, maybe an hour or so before I want to go to bed. I do play, eat, groom, sleep. So they're ready to sleep when I'm ready to sleep. And that way they won't tend to wake you up at three o'clock in the morning when they have you captive and they want to expand that energy. You've already done that by doing pegs twice and whatever other antics you might do with them during the middle of the day. Is this a good time for people to adopt a cat as far as you're concerned? I would say so, because you're home, you're able to bond with the cat, especially if you've got introductions to do with other cats or dogs um, or children in the household. Um, I know some facilities, they are doing video pre-adoption screening. Um, so when you go to the shelter or rescue, you know, you get to see the cat that you've been talking about seeing on the video or what have you because they're trying to cut down on their you know, exposure to people as well. So it's not like you can go and walk through the shelters uh, or rescues like you could before. I know the shelter here in Lancaster hasn't even been open. The rescues are. Um, I know FFRC, they're doing some of that, Linda. It's not what Jackie's yeah, doing. She, I just talked to Jackie yesterday and she said, it's, it's exhausting, this woman, she's, don't, she's just given her life to <laughs> cats in her own way and has built this rescue onto her home and it keeps building and she's all about the cats. She's up early, she's up late. Well, they have a webcam. So for one thing, people can watch the cats and be like, oh, I love that cat. But you know, often you, you decide, oh, this cat, and then you get there and the cat's really aloof and not your cat. So True. she's taking appointments and she's got thumpers room that she can let the cats and people interact <laughs> one at a time. And then they leave and they scrub everything down and disinfectant and then they take the next one in. So it's exhausting. So exhausting. But it's kitten season and, you know, they're getting full. They need help. So, and I know she's lost a lot of volunteers due to COVID and the fear of going right. out. And, you know, this, this is the backbone of what runs our rescues. So it's, it's quite a detailed deal, but they're making it work. A lot of places need fosters now because it's kitten season. Yeah. So they need people to hold on to the cats and socialize them, maybe not adopt them, but um, they need places to put all these kitties. 
that's always a need, but I think it's more so now. So what's the most rewarding part of what you do? I am so blessed that I get to make money doing what I love. At night, when I sit down to unwind and watch TV, I have all this unconditional love around me. And I have so many people that support me, I didn't know were in my corner. I won't say her name, but she knows who she is, who hooked me up with my PR firm and my, my manager, who believes in what I do so much, he's working pro bono right now, and he's a big name. You have support sometimes where you don't even know you have it. And once I started really being open about how many cats and what I do, it's, I, I'm just amazed. People that I knew from high school, I'm getting support from. I'm working with um, somebody now who makes jewelry and I knew her in high school and her brother was actually in a Richard Simmons video. I grew up with him too. So everything converges together. <laughs> She's selling the jewelry to support animal rescue. She's a big animal rescue person. So we're going to write an article about her. So it's like people from all the aspects of my life are coming back into my life. It's amazing to me how many people care about animals. Well, I absolutely can't imagine, Rita, if there was a number out there somewhere of cats that have not gone to a shelter because of you. I mean, I'm not talking about the 19 you've rescued, that, that alone. Well, plus, I mean, the cats have come and gone in your life. But how many times somebody has just been, this is it. I can't do it anymore. And I'm going to, and then you help them find a solution and that cat gets to stay in the home. That's monumental. But, and one of our Richard Simmons friends, Wendy, a cat came up to her door. She'd never had a cat before, largely because I was able to answer questions from her. She kept this cat, Smokey Simone, who passed away recently. She was heartbroken, but I helped her, you know, just, just answering a few questions and encouraging her that, you know, cats need love just like dogs do. It's just in a different way. What's your secret to a rewarding life? I think loving what you do for a living. I'm one of those people that whatever I do for a living, it kind of becomes my life. When I was in information technology, it was a big, huge part of my life. It's kind of my identity. And to me, it works. You know, I have to be happy in my work and have it be fulfilling and fit in with my lifestyle. I mean, if you can feel good about what you're doing, which isn't tonight, I mean, Look, all jobs are necessary. I'm going to get really upset if everybody leaves Burger King because I crave a Whopper every once in a while. This is rewarding stuff. But when you have put yourself, you know, working for Richard, I was helping people and support them and getting a healthy lifestyle and answering their questions. And that was just, that was a high. And when he retired, I was like, I don't know that I can go just work behind a desk and answer phones. I know I'm helping someone, but this was such an onboard. And now here I am in this, you know, cats versus weight loss, but still a passion and helping people, that's huge. And if you know that your life has mattered and you help people, that's, yeah, that's worth a lot more than money or anything. Thanks for listening to our interview with Rita Reamers and Linda Hall. During the month of June, Rita is offering cat lovers the first month's membership to Club Catitude for only $1. She's also donating that dollar directly to Friends of Felines Rescue Center in Defiance, Ohio. To join, visit readerreamers.com slash joinclubcatitude and use the discount code HELPFFRC to donate to the Friends of Felines Rescue Center. 
please visit thepassionistasproject.com to learn more about our podcast and subscription box filled with products made by women-owned businesses and female artisans to inspire you to follow your passions. Sign up for our mailing list to get 10% off your first purchase. And be sure to subscribe to the Passionistas Project podcast so you don't miss any of our upcoming inspiring guests.